Well, good morning to each of you. I did get in a little late last night. Um, maybe some of you know already, I just made a foolish mistake and mixed up AM and PM. I was supposed to be here at about 11.35, and it was PM instead of AM. So that's why I didn't get to be here at all yesterday. I was hoping I could have been, but <clears throat> I got in at 11.30-something PM last night. So, yes, do pray. The topic that was given to me is a topic that makes my heart a little heavy. It can easily. So I'm going to try not to get too heavy, but forgive me if I do a little bit. Nearer, still nearer, we sang. This stuck out to me because of what is on my heart this week. Nearer, still nearer, while life shall last... Till safe in glory my anchor is cast. Brother Clint Wolf called me and gave me uh, some direction on what to share here. <clears throat> gave me a, a topic. And you know, it seems to me like the topic he gave is generally more of interest to the older generation than the younger generation. But it's more needed in the younger generation than the older generation. And so we sang this and I thought, Till safe in glory my anchor is cast. And I sat there in the back looking over you all and I thought, How many of us won't make it till our anchor is cast in glory? How many of us won't? Um, The title of uh, this, these Thoughts here I'll share with you this week. Um, I don't know if I wrote a title. What was the title that I gave? Do you have it on your papers? No? Staying Faithful Through the Storms of Life. I think that's what it was. I have title for today. I guess that was a title for the overall. Staying Faithful Through the Storms of Life. And, you know, till safe in glory my anchor is cast, somehow... I. It feels to me like I'm only about 25 or so, but I guess it dawns on me every now and then it was 22 years ago that I went to my first Bible school. And when I went to my first Bible school, my mind and heart was not really meditating, wanting to be sure that I'll make it to glory. I was just going on. And I loved going on. And I was excited about going on. And so the thought of staying faithful all the way to the end, it's very common when I sit with older people. I like to, and I like to ask questions. It's very common that they think about those things. I got an email in my inbox yesterday. And it was from a family that I had known and respected years ago. Um, I say years ago, just a few years ago, a dozen years ago. And this email came in and they said, yeah, we're sorry. Uh, we haven't sent emails out for a very long time. And it's true, they hadn't. And, but we want to send one. And it was over uh, some issues of cancer in the family. And so it was some sad news in that way. But that's not what stuck out to me. I scrolled down the email and I looked at the picture. And I looked at where their lives have led them in the past dozen years. And I blinked. And I felt like blinking and looking again. It 
stunned me. Where people will go sometimes, making a little wrong decision after little wrong decision after little wrong decision, and then where they end up in their life. Staying faithful through the storms of life is no small deal. And somehow, if I can impress that upon your hearts here this week, I will... That's my burden, to impress that upon your heart. Staying faithful. I sat in Bible school after Bible school, and these thoughts didn't come to me so much. But as I think back, and I think about all the people I sat around, it is amazing how many of them are not where I am today. It's amazing to me. It jolts me. And so I thought about it here. Can you all look around? And I told you, I hope I don't get too heavy. Forgive me here a little bit. Can you all just think with me? Think of all the the ones around you. It's very likely some of them will be in a very, very different place today in years to come. And I know we don't want to think maybe down some of those lines, but that's the way it was for me. Just listening to... uh, Dear older brother, I love dearly, and it's the way it was for him. Are you going to make it safe so your anchor is cast in glory? Are you going to be faithful through the storms of life that come and be faithful? And be faithful. And be faithful. And then be faithful again. That's what we want to talk about. I am sure I, I have to give a little disclaimer. I'm sure I won't be balanced this week. Um, I may not say some things right. So I am hoping that my father, the other leaders here can help balance me and straighten me out. And I know there's numerous things I'm not going to say that I wish I could and all those things. So <clears throat> have open hearts and you pray that this will be profitable here this week. I want you just to picture with me the whole back end of this wall as a huge, beautiful portrait. Intricate. So intricate that you can come up close to it and get a magnifying glass and get more amazing features of this portrait. And the size of it is is the size of this whole wall here. And I want to use this illustration as we go through this week. So... Just meditate on it with me a little bit. You have the opportunity. God has given you life. I have the opportunity. God has given me life. And he has this massive, beautiful picture. is totally covered up. But for you and me, he's opened up a small little hole right here. And we see what's happening in this little hole. So let's say this picture, we don't know what all it is. We don't know what all it looks like. But a little dime-sized hole here, we get a peek and we look in there carefully and gaze this way and that way and get our magnifying glass and we're just amazed at the beauty of it. And here, up in a tree, we can see a tree limb coming out and up on the tree is a beautiful panther. And and forgive me, I've always liked the cat family, (laughs) not so much the house cat style, but... (laughs) The cat family in the wild because of their power and agility... I remember as a boy just being amazed, you know, they can stand on the ground, decide to jump 18 feet in the air, grab a branch and go up and all those little facts that I had studied out. And 
So here's a branch, and we're looking through this dime-sized hole of this beautiful picture here, and we see a little branch, and there's this beautiful panther, some sort of powerful, beautiful animal. And he's crouched there on the branch, and we think, wow, this is beautiful. And we get so focused on what's in here, we forget about everything else, because this is what we can see. The rest of it's blank to us. It's covered but there's a little hole here, and we get to see this picture. And so we're amazed at this beautiful, uh, the muscul- muscles and the muscular ability and agility and all of that of this mountain lion or whatever it is. And we can with all be amazed at it. If God would allow us, and he would pull another dime-sized bit of cover off of this picture... We might see down just an inch or so or half an inch, whatever it is, and off to the left, we might see if he could pull it back and realize, oh, there's a fawn. So we were amazed at this animal and we were feeling this is a beautiful picture, but then all of a sudden we realize, oh, there's a fawn and this fawn, it looks like it's just about to die because this mountain lion is crouched on this branch and All of a sudden, for me, my feelings can flip a little bit. Instead of amazement at the power of this beautiful animal, now it's, I have this little sympathy for this fawn who's going to get pounced on and going to become food. And so the picture changes a little bit. Let's say that off to the right... We were allowed another little dime-sized peak. And remember the vastness. You're getting lost in this part of the picture, but do you know why? Because that's all you can see. But then off to the right, let's say we could get another little dime-sized picture, and we squint and look at that little picture and realize, oh, behind a bush is crouching a man with a gun, and it looks like it's aimed right at the mountain lion. Flip, the whole picture changes again. Now the mountain lion is just about to die, and the fawn will probably live. And what has happened is, we focused on one little dime-sized amount of this vast portrait, and we build our thoughts and our feelings and our expectations around this little portrait. Then we got another little dime-sized picture, and oh, it flipped things a little bit. And then we got another little dime-sized picture. What I want us to remember is, you and I, See, a dime-sized picture of the big picture. Can you remember that? Remember that in real life. When the storms of life come, and I'm peeking at my dime-sized picture, and in the hole that I can peek through in my dime-sized picture, it looks terrible, or it looks wonderful. Remember, we only see a tiny bit. And there's more than one thing I want us to remember, and we'll talk about these as we go along this week. Remember, other people have another peak, and their picture looks a little different than our picture. But if I have the humility and wisdom to allow their part of the picture to come into my part of the picture, I'll slowly get a bigger picture. Another aspect I want us to remember, and again, we'll cover these more later. Older people have had more dime-sized pieces come off the picture than you and I have. Let's remember that. They've had more 
dime-sized pictures come off this mass. They don't see it all, but they see more than we do. Let's not get lost in our little dime-sized picture. And here I'm going to start sharing other days' messages if I'm not careful. But I just want this little illustration to be a background for us as we go through this week, staying faithful through the storms of life. Remember this illustration, and I will refer back to it numerous times. Open your Bibles with me. I just wanted those as some opening thoughts here. Open your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Sorry, I didn't bring my schedule. Is it? What time is my uh, session over? Ten. You always, ten, ten? Ten, ten. Should be able to remember that. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter twelve. <clears throat> and let's just begin. I'm going to read a few of these verses here. <clears throat> uh, let's begin in verse one. <clears throat> Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. How often, as you're going through a difficulty, and you'll see and you know, these verses ahead are going to talk about difficulties. How often, when you're going through difficulties, do you think of this big cloud of witnesses? That's a blessing to me sometimes. I'm wrestling. I don't have the answers. I don't see the big picture. I just have this little dime-sized peek at it, and I don't know what to do, and I don't know what's up. I don't know what's down. I'm wrestling with something. It doesn't make sense to me. Step back and remember. Oh, there's a cloud of witnesses. I don't know if I'm painting this properly, okay? But I think the picture that Hebrews is getting here is David and Moses are sitting there saying, Go on, brother. Go on, sister. You can do it. There's answers. You'll make it. Go on. That encourages me. And others sitting around the grandstands watching my life. And they see the decisions I'm making. And they know. I don't know how much they know. But I think this is the picture the Hebrew writer is giving us. They know we only see a little bit. And they see more. Much, much more. I don't know how much they can see But they see more and they're saying, keep going. You can do it. Seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Run. Looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He went through difficulties for the joy that was set before Him. For consider Him, our Lord Jesus, that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Have you ever been a little weary or faint? You didn't know which way to go. And something was a bit difficult. Have you had many difficulties yet? Somebody raised their hand. Have you had some difficulties, some issues in life that you're facing? Don't be weary. Remember Jesus, lest ye be weird and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. 
And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, we have a brother in Zanzibar that we love very much. And we were reading some verses of this sort. I don't know if it was these verses or others in the Scriptures. And he looks up and he says, that's beautiful. Now I know I'm on the right path. He's going through some very difficult times. He was living with another lady. And it wasn't his wife. And he had to separate and she didn't want to. And his family didn't want him to. And, and he has faithfully gone on and he has endured some very difficult things. And so far that I know of, he keeps being faithful and He said, it's okay. Now I know I'm on the right path. I'm having difficulties and that shows me I'm on the right path. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. You're not legitimate sons if you don't have chastisement. Furthermore, we have fathers of our own flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much more be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? We could go on. But I want us to meditate this morning. The title for this morning is Staying Faithful Through the School of a Storm. And that's what I want us to remember. Staying faithful through the school of a storm. And I'm using school here in Hebrews. It doesn't necessarily use the word school, but it uses a father directing his son. And that's what fathers, we fathers want to do. We want to bless our sons and we want to direct them and we want to help them and we want to guide them. And sometimes it means hard things. Staying faithful through the school of a storm. And so, our school, young people, we have a school. And one of the aspects of the school, to fit into this picture that I painted to you earlier, is God will slowly pull back a little bit more of the cover over this picture. And as we go through life, and as we weather storms, God allows a little bit more of this picture to be seen. And we want that. We want to see the beautiful masterpiece of the picture that he's planned of creation. And so as we weather the difficulties and the storms and we stay faithful, this storm is a blessing. <clears throat> and I, if I would give a subtitle, I would give it this, The Cross, Our School. Staying faithful through the school of a storm. And sometimes I believe Jesus calls it the cross, the cross, our school. At approximately the age of 39, Menno Simons joined the Anabaptists, 39, 40. For years he had to live a hidden life, traveling from place to place, preaching in houses and forests until he died at around 64, 65. He said this, If the head had to suffer such torture 
anguish, misery, and pain. How shall his servants, children, and members expect peace and freedom as to their flesh? And I want you to picture this. Here's a man. He chose to follow Christ. He walked away from favor. He walked away from pomp in in the sense of a a priest who was well-respected. And he walked away from it and turned his back on it and began to live a life hiding from one place to the next. And we're go- I'm going to use this illustration here and we really don't understand it. We have never ran from place to place to place hiding for our life. Knowing there's some people on our trail that would like to have us killed. At the very least stuck in a miserable wretched prison. And he went from place to place to place, running for years and years and years. And this is what he said. He wrote this song. And this is translated, obviously, my God. I want you to listen to this. Where shall I wind my flight? Remember? His flight. Ah, help me on upon the way. The foe surrounds both day and night. And fain my soul would rend and slay. Lord God, thy spirit give to me. Then on thy way thou constant be. And in life's book, eternally. We take that and we spiritualize it all. And I think that's good to do that. That was real, everyday, nitty-gritty life to him. Running from place to place. And I think it's good that we spiritualize it. But remember, he was... Running for his life. But when I in Egypt still stuck fast and traveled calm, broad paths of ease, then was I famed a much sought guest. He had it. The world with me was quite at peace. Enmeshed was I in Satan's gauze. My life abomination was right well I served the devil's cause. But when I turned me to the Lord and gave the world a farewell look, farewell, sought help against the evil horde, the lore of Antichrist forsook, then was I mocked and sore defamed, since Babel's words I now disdained. The righteous man is heir disclaimed. Picture his life, and I know I didn't talk about it much, but you know enough about it. Running from place to place, appreciated by the people of God, but not by the world. I'd, I'd rather choose the sorrow sore and suffer as God's blessed child than have from Pharaoh, remember, see the picture he's drawing with Moses here? Then have from Pharaoh all his store to revel in for one brief while. The realm of Pharaoh cannot last. Christ keeps his kingdom sure and fast around his child, his arms he casts. For Minna Simons, life was a difficult school. It was difficult. It was hard. But down inside, he said, I'd rather have these difficulties. I'd rather push through dying to my flesh Dying to the desires of me and self and push through for Jesus. And know that in the end, my anchor will be cast in glory like the song says. 
he had on the mind of someone that didn't expect life to always be easy. I wonder if the school of storms doesn't at time offend us rather than motivate us. We live in a day and age where it's so easy and it's so nice. Let me continue on here. That's, I set out looking at this topic, staying faithful through the storms of life, and I, started, I said, I want to start reading through the New Testament looking at this topic. And so I started in Matthew. Think with me just a little bit. We're not going to read here because you know how Matthew starts. But I want you to think with me as I began pondering this topic of staying faithful through difficulties, through the storms of life. And we'll talk about some of what these difficulties are and could be possibly later on. But I just want to uh, put a foundation here of some thoughts. I began reading the New Testament starting in Matthew saying, Lord, what does it mean to stay faithful through the storms of life? Okay, difficulties. I have dear brothers and sisters, we all know we have storms. Some of us think ours are way bigger than others in this room. Do you know why? Because the little dime that we're living in and that we see is us. And so it is difficult. Talked with a brother numerous times and lately and shared with him, do you know what? Hard things are hard. They are. Hard things are hard, and we all have to face them. So, Lord, what does your word say, as I begin in Matthew, about it? And I just got through, just think with me, just through the first few chapters of Matthew. First, we have Joseph, the wife, his, Joseph and, and Mary, Joseph, the husband of Mary. And here we have Joseph, and all of a sudden now his wife-to-be is with child. Do you think that'd be hard? That would be jolting. Very jolting. And then on top of that, just walk quickly. Here they are walking to a distant place. And she's riding on a donkey. And she's great with child. And they have to go to this far place in this situation. And then they end up with having a baby in a cow barn. We always use this word stable and we've made it kind of quaint. But this was an animal place. Then, just shortly, they're fleeing to Egypt for the life of the child. Does all this sound easy? This is extremely hard. We'd write books about these things, probably, and how difficult they were, and try to bless others and encourage. And then they came back from Egypt, but only settled in Nazareth because Archelaus reigned, and they weren't quite sure they were comfortable going all the way home, and then it seems like it's very possible they were known as a family with an illegitimate child, with some comments made. Does that sound like a glowing, easy, smooth-filled life? I read on. We have John the Baptist, and here's John the Baptist born to older parents, and he doesn't have siblings, and here he is, only child, and then he ends up in the wilderness. Wilderness. I don't know if any of you have ever been extremely thirsty and hot and miserable. It was wilderness. And he had rough clothing and bad food, to put it in straight terms. And then he preached against the elite. This is Matthew chapter 1 and 2. and We're just at the beginning. I'm pondering this as I'm reading. 
Faithful through difficult things, storms of life. Then he, he did become a little popular, but then his popularity started decreasing. Jesus was taking over, and so his popularity was decreasing. He's losing out, and, and then for preaching the truth, he loses his head. Gets chopped off. Done. And we just read these things, and this is normal. We've heard them since we, were, since we can remember. We have Jesus... Born in a stable case. Okay, so we looked at Joseph. We looked at John the Baptist. Some of the first people we find. And here we find Jesus born in an animal barn. Moving and fleeing as a child. Possibly seen as illegitimate as he grew up. And then when the Spirit filled him, he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. To be tempted. Then we go into Matthew chapter 5, and we read, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor? Poverty? Blessed are they that mourn. I don't mean to be sounding so negative and all that, but is it possible, and this is my question, is it possible that the influences of life and the standards around us have influenced our mindset and we tend to think that life should be easy? And I remember a sermon by Brother Denny, and his title was, Whoever Said It Would Be Easy. Is it possible that the, the, our common understanding is, well, everyone else must have it pretty easy, so I should have it easy. And somehow the Christian life should almost make it easier, and it should be easy. When we get the picture in the New Testament that life is going to be difficult. That's the Christian life. And can we accept it that when through our little dime-sized hole, it looks like this mountain lion is going to gobble me up, and it's just I'm about at the end of my string. Can you step back and realize, it's okay. It's okay. Maybe I can learn my father is chastening me. Maybe he'll allow a little more of the picture to come off in the future, and maybe he won't. Maybe we'll go and our anchor will be cast in glory at the end of our life, and it still won't have made sense. It's okay. It does make sense. They sold in very short time a million copies of a book that's when God doesn't make sense. People are grappling with these things. Is it possible that especially in the 21st century, our concept is wrong of Christianity and we should realize that storms are normal? And needing to stay faithful through the difficult things is normal. And me seeing only a little dime-sized hole, but by faith saying, I don't know why it looks like this mountain lion is just about to pounce on me, but I know God sees the big picture and I'm going to be faithful. And I'm going to keep going. Faithful through the school of a storm. Jesus said, all who are, the Apostle Paul, all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. <clears throat> Staying faithful through the school of a storm. Storms are school. The cross is our school. It's good for us. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, we have a story here of, and I just want to use this story as a little bit of an allegory along the same line that we're talking about. 
And I want to look at four different aspects of this storm. Number one, we have the call to storms. Number two, the confusion of storms. And number three, the consequence of storms. These, These three things. Verse 22 through 23, the call to storms. And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before him into the, or unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the even, evening was come, he was there alone. Apostles, get in a boat. Peter, John, Matthew, get in a boat. And I want you to go across the, ocean, or the, the sea here. In the minds of the apostles, the point of getting into the boat was what? Getting across. Going to the other side. Do you think that was the only point that Jesus had for them, that God had for them? Their concept was, all right, disciples, let's go. Let's get into this boat. They're hopping into the boat. And our aim is the other side. And if that was their only aim, which I think it was in the beginning... And they would have despised anything that hindered them from that aim. They would have missed a huge lesson in the storm. But I want us to realize Jesus said, get into the boat and go to the other side. In the midst of their storm, they could have said, Jesus told us to get to the other side and we can't get there. Something's wrong. In my dime-sized hole that I can see through, this doesn't make sense. And they're swirling in the waters around them. I'm stepping ahead of myself in a sense. But Jesus called them to a storm. If you have found yourself in some storms, and you, if you haven't found many storms, you will find yourself in storms. They will happen. And you're wrestling and you don't understand why the storm, why the difficulty, why the temptation. Remember, Jesus calls us to storms. He wants us in storms. He's showing us that we're his sons. Disciples, get in the boat. Go to the other side. just real quick, God anointed David king. And he was how many years before he was ever king? And through how many storms? And through how many difficulties? But Lord, you wanted me to be king. David, I'm calling you to storms. The school of storms. Submit yourself to it, David. And he did. Did he not? Did he not get an A? Okay, we know there were some mistakes there, but he got an A. He did a wonderful job. He submitted himself. He humbled his heart and said, Lord, I only see my dime-sized circle. And I realize I don't understand it all. You said I'm supposed to be king and I'm a vagabond running for my life. But it's okay. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to do what I know is right in front of me. God called David to a storm. I love the call of the Apostle Paul. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. I don't know if I've ever heard a salvation message preached like that. And then the call is made. Who would like to suffer? Please raise your hand. That's not normal. 
But that's, in a sense, was the Apostle Paul's call. Would you like to suffer, Paul? I'm going to show you how much you're going to have to suffer for me. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Faithful through the storms and realizing it's a good school for me. I used to have this big fuzzy picture of the Macedonian call. Come over and help us. And I had the idea, oh, this is just wonderful. I would just love it if I had a dream. And in my dream, there'd be someone from a certain place and they're saying, come preach the gospel to us. Come share truth with us. I thought that would just be wonderful. But do you know what happened? The first thing that happened after the Macedonian call, they went and preached and got thrown into prison. I don't know what Paul and Silas thought sitting in the prison. But that was right after the Macedonian call. Paul and Silas sitting in jail. What do you think they thought as they looked through their dime-sized hole at the picture? God, what are you trying to paint here? You give us a dream. Come over and preach the gospel. We preach. A few people listen to us. We get put in prison. God calls us to storms. That's the call of the Christian life. There was a little freeze, and we'll get to that if time doesn't run out, that came to my own heart. It was this simple. <clears throat> die, Mickey. Die. Just die. And I said it over and over and over to myself as I felt like difficulties came my way. Die, Mickey. Die. It's that simple. <clears throat> So there's that call to storms. We are called to go through storms. And you have been called through some, I'm going to guess. But you will be called to more. How do we stay faithful through them? We'll talk about that more. But Number two, the confusion of storms. <clears throat> Verse 24, <clears throat> But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves from the wind, for the wind was contrary. Here's the disciples. They're in this boat. All right, we're going to the other side. The Lord Jesus told us to get to the other side. Here we go. And all of a sudden the wind comes up. Wait a minute. This isn't helping our cause. This isn't helping what we're supposed to be doing. This seems contrary to the will of God. Could have been their thoughts. <clears throat> And the ship was tossed. And in the fourth watch, verse 25, of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. They didn't know it was Jesus. But, <clears throat> and so here they were in a lot of confusion. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And I just love the... I love Peter. I know we're pretty hard on him. But who else stepped out of that boat? Who else said, I'll walk on the water? And he said, come. And Peter was come down out of the ship. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. And when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Oh, wait a minute. So here was Peter aiming to go across the, the, the lake like Jesus said. And then they're in this turmoil and fear rises. Instead of confidence to get to the other side, fear rises. And so now his emotions are all a wreck and fear is there and this is terrible. And then all of a sudden it's Jesus and his emotions go flip 
180 degrees and he's all excited and he's ready to walk on the water. He steps out on the water and then all of a sudden the waves and the wind get over, uh, overcome him again and flip the emotions do the flip again and he's in fear. Have you ever had emotions do that to you? Maybe you're not as emotional as me, but I have. There is confusion in storms. That's normal. There's confusion and we don't know which way's up and which way's down sometimes. It doesn't make sense in our dime-sized whole of this big picture. But remember, it's just dime-sized and it's okay. David went through some of those too. Here he was, off in the shepherd, in the, in the shepherd fold. He's called anointed. I don't know what happened in his mind and his heart. And he's sent back to the shepherd fold. Then he goes to be with the king Saul, and then he goes back to the shepherd's fold. Top to bottom, it feels to me like. Top to bottom. And then he's sent out to the armies, and they're saying, David, you should have just been out with those shepherds. So now he's down at the bottom again. Then whatever a day or two or whatever it was later, he kills Goliath, and he's at the top, so to speak, again. And here's his life, storm, and then think, up, down, up, down, up, down. The confusion of storms. Let's remember this confusion of storms. And remember, that's right. It doesn't always make sense when I'm in the middle of it. Then number three, we have the consequence of storms. Verse 31 of Matthew 14, 31. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. Here's Peter, and he's sinking. Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus, the consequence... He kept going through the storm. Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Oh, I'm sure that was a jolt also. Then they that were with him in the ship came and worshipped him, saying of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. There's consequence if we're faithful. The consequence of storms and the difficulty, if we keep going, the end comes. And Jesus puts out his hand if we'll be faithful and keep going. And he lifts us up. And we know, looking at David, we looked at that. David is the same way. A bar of steel worth $5 is worth $10 when wrought into horseshoes. A little hunk of steel, $5 steel. Made into horseshoes can be about $10. If made into needles, it's worth about $350. Same bar of steel, made into needles, $350. If into penknife blades, it can be worth close to uh, $32,000. Same bar of steel. If into springs for watches, it's worth $250,000. The more it's manipulated, the more it's hammered, the more it passes through the fire and is beaten, pounded, and polished, the greater the value. Do you like storms yet? And it's easy to sit here and say, oh, yes, this is good. All right, Lord, the difficulties that come my way, the questions, I'll embrace them. Let's remember this. Let's embrace them. Storms, difficulties have a purpose. 
There's a purpose in them. They don't make sense. Excuse me for referring back to this, but I want this hammered in my mind because to me this picture has been very, very helpful. They don't make sense through my dime-sized hole, but that's okay. Do we want to be aluminum that's fit for a child's toy or airplane-grade aluminum? It takes a whole lot different process to make airplane-grade aluminum than child's toy aluminum. There was a time in my life and in the life of my family that it was very, very hard, and there was a little plaque, and I don't remember where this plaque came in. There's a little plaque that Mom and Daddy gave to me, and I don't even know where it is today. wish I did. little plaque, and it said, Trust me, Mickey, I have everything under control, Jesus. Just trust me, Mickey, I have everything under control, Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Can we remember that? He has everything under control. Another time, Mama gave me a little card. When you trust... You do not worry. When you worry, you do not trust. When you trust, you do not worry. When you worry, you do not trust. And then another time, a little phrase, trust him when dark doubts assail you. Trust him when your faith seems small. Trust him when to simply trust him seems the hardest thing of all. Can We remember, I'm going to just point to uh, three things here and meditate on three things that I want you to remember. Number one, remember I'm in a school. Can you remember that? I'm in a school. Grab a hold of the lessons and hang on. There's so much to be learned. In my own life, this was Uh, beautiful to me as I went through difficult things, as I went through questioning things, I grab on and remember, I'm in school. And we're in school even when we're 70 and 80. I know the 70 and 80 year olds say the same thing. But especially us. We're in school. The problem is, the tendency is, we scrutinize our dime-sized hole. And we peer and we study and we look. And it's beautiful. Do it. Peer and study and look at all that you can see and ask God to slowly pull back the cover so you can see a little bit more and a little bit more. That's wonderful. But remember, as young people, we only see a little bit. We only see a dime-sized hole. Remember, you're in a school. You're not the teacher. I'm not. I guess I happen to be a little bit here this week, so have mercy on me. We're not the teacher in a lot of life. I'm not the teacher. We're in a school. Grab a hold of these lessons Have the maturity to love the hand that spanks. Do you have enough maturity to handle that? 
Have the maturity to love the hand that spanks. One thing that stuck out to me very clearly as a young person, I remember the illustration being given, we're on our face and we're praying in our room all alone. That's the picture. Lord, help me to be what you want me to be. God, change me and mold me into your image. And then we have a knock on the door, right? They're interrupting my prayer time. And it's a brother or a sister or a parent. Could you do this for me? And it interrupts our prayer time. It interrupts our whatever. And there's this little, uh, no, wait a minute. Jump up and remember, you're in a school. Grab this opportunity and embrace it and die. That's point number three here. Sorry, you're not supposed to write that yet. And die. If you realize you're in a school, you're going to ask questions if you embrace your school. Ask people questions. Ask lots of questions. It's something that in my own life I wanted to do and I endeavored to do. I remember, again, I think it was Brother Denny, he said, push in. Sometimes we might seem busy, but push in. We'll talk. We love to talk to the people that are earnest enough to push in. Push in and ask questions and come with a learner's heart. And remember, especially when you ask authorities and you ask older people, what you're doing is you're saying, would you help me peel back a little bit more of my understanding so I can see the picture just a little bit better? It takes some humility because the tendency and especially I'm just going to say, us young people, I'm not very old. Take some humility maybe to, to humble our hearts and say, I don't have answers. Would you give me your perspective? I don't know. Yes, I do know why. I was going to say, I don't know why we get so caught up in ours, but I do. Because all we can see is our perspective. And we've got it figured out from the dime-sized hole that I have. But do you know what? You're in a school. I'm in a school. Ask questions. When you're going through difficulties or when it's easy, ask questions. Push in. Make sure also that you're still enough, long enough to become quiet enough to hear the still, small voice. Make sure that you're still enough, long enough to become quiet enough to hear the still small voice of God. Busy, busy, go, go. And there's a place. I, I love diligence, and I want, I want to be a diligent worker and a diligent person in life and not waste time, but we need to remember to be still enough, to become quiet enough, long enough, to hear the still small voice of God. God, from my point of view, that mountain lion is going to consume me. What do you say? What do you have to say? What does it look like from your perspective and you see the whole picture and in fact you made it all? Also take time to ask yourself, what am I learning? And ponder it. In my life, meditation is no small thing. And... The meditation of the world says empty your mind. The meditation that is of God says fill your mind. Okay? So when I use meditation, I mean it nothing like the world is using it these days. But I mean fill it. Fill it with, God, what are you doing? With His Word. 
with pondering profitable, beautiful things and fill it with and meditate. God, what is going on? What can I learn from this? <coughs> what should I be learning? And could I put a little thing in here? I, it's one of my concerns that um, pops up as I hear people talking about, and some of you probably have heard me say this, so forgive me, but talking about this personality thing. And it has kind of become a buzz the past few years. And, oh, that's your personality, and this is my personality, and that's his, and this is mine. And we're all made different, I realize that. But my concern is that this personality buzz takes us out of school and excuses who we are. Oh, well, she's, she's like that, and he's like that. I'm just not. I'm like this. What am I supposed to be like? It'll have your tweak to it. Don't worry about that. It'll have my tweak to it. What am I supposed to be like? And if they have a strength in that area, the issue is not then, well, that's his personality. No, I want to be like that. How how can I learn that from them? School! Don't mix character and personality. I fear we do that in some of the buzz that I've heard. Number two, in this school... Beware of the roar of the lion. And I'm just touching on a few things, and we'll go a little more, a little deeper as the week goes on. But beware of the lion, the roar of the lion. In this school, difficulties come. Someone said this, I quote, We are suffering from 350 years of prosperity. This has deeply ingrained in us a massively unbiblical mindset, namely a mindset of at-homeness in this world and in this age. This has not been good for us. We have been suffering from 350 years of prosperity and we get an at-homeness in the world. I don't know if this will make any sense to some of you. I'm going to tell you something that I told my wife. I Yesterday I sent her a text and I said, I'm sitting here in the airport crying. And I'm sorry if this seems bizarre to you. Sitting in the airport crying. I said, airports have meant to me a lot of emotions. As I've traveled overseas, I've left things behind and I've gone forward for things. But I wanted it for the kingdom of God to be built. I'm sure, Mickey's, and I don't mean to sound pure, sure, pure, totally pure here. I'm sure there's ulterior motives in that. But there's been a burden. I want to see the kingdom of God expanded. And so when I go into airports, airports have a lot of those emotions. God, here we go again. Stepping into something else, and I don't know how it's going to work, and it's not always easy, and die to this, or die to what I leave, or die to what I'm going, or whatever, and And it's been a school, and I sat in the airport, and I just cried a little bit. I love the feeling of not at home in the world and my anchor cast somewhere else. It's thrilling. And so as I sit in an airport, an airport means a jumble of things, but it means I'm not at home. Let's be careful. Again, that's just my own personal experience because of what our life has held the past few years. We need to be careful of the roar of the lion. And one of the roars that I believe we are facing today is an at-homeness and a comfortableness in the world. Sometimes the storm that we're actually facing 
is a dime-sized hole that doesn't have a mountain lion pouncing, but it's just gorgeous and beautiful and wonderful. Let's not. Let's realize some of that. There can be a rumble of a lion underneath even that. Just be at home. Take it easy. Relax. Make money. Have, have what you need. Have beyond what you need. And just, just have it pretty nice. And then when it gets not nice, you don't like it. And so you steer away from that. Problems. Be careful of the roar of the lion. The path of least resistance is seldom the right one. It is sometimes. Praise God, some of us growing up in homes with godliness surrounding us and guiding us, sometimes the path of least resistance is the right one. It's true. But many times when we're making decisions and as life goes on, just remember the path of least resistance is oft not the right one. That's not the cross. Somehow... Catch the roar of the lion while it's still the purr, a quiet little purr. And we're, again, we'll look at some more of these things. But as you go through storms and difficulties, watch your own heart. And this is point number three. It's the call of the cross, or my personal terms, is die, Mickey, die. You put your name in there. Die, Joshua, die. That's the call upon a Christian. Laying down, taking up your cross, and dying. To difficulties, through things I don't like, to my flesh, to myself. The call of Jesus is come and die. Whether it's direction that's given that we don't like from authority. Die. Just die. Could you please remember your dime-sized hole. Surrender and die. That doesn't mean you don't share your heart. You don't be open and all that, but die. When difficulties come, die. When you're asked a job to do, die. When you wanted to do something and you can't, die. When there's opportunity to do the lower job, die. Just die. And then embrace it. Embrace it, saying, yes, I am going to learn something through this. The cross, our school, it's good. It's healthy. Okay, I just wanted us to meditate on that picture here this morning on this first day. Get excited and realize the hand of God is in difficulties. When I face them, we're going to have to face them. And we'll talk about some other things that we'll have to face as we go on in life and things I have had and have to face. And things you have had and will have to face. But remember, can we remember this picture here of the dime-sized hole? Remember, the cross is our school. Embrace it. Remember, the difficulties are a blessing in our lives. Realize the real picture is a whole lot bigger than me and you see 
in our present circumstances. It's a whole lot bigger than that. Can we just bow our heads and pray? Father, we come to you and I thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for faithful men. And Lord, thank you that you call us to the school of dying. The school of difficulty. Help us, Lord, to embrace it and to love it. And I pray for these dear young people here this morning. Would you help them to embrace it and to love it? And as we go on and talk about some of the hardships that we may face, that we have faced, help us to remember, Lord, you've called us to them. You've said, cross the sea, knowing there's a storm coming. Help us be faithful, Lord. I pray for each of these dear young people. You know, Lord, in a group of 130 of us or so here, it's not very likely that all of our anchors will stay cast the right place all the way to the end. Oh, God, have mercy on us. Help us be faithful. Help each of them to be faithful. Thank you for each of them. And I ask your blessing, grace, and guidance on them. In Jesus' precious name, amen.